This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hey, Wild Souls, welcome to a brand new episode of the Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast, our special Q&A episode all about repeating cards. Um, We're going to be diving into repeating cards on a whole this week, what they are, what we can expect when they arise, how we can look at them all through the lens of soul tarot, of course, um, evolutionarily um, accented (laughs) way of looking at repeating cards. Uh, It's time to let go of the phrase stalker card. Let's start with that. So repeating card is a, an absolutely perfect and appropriate and more um, inclusive, less fear-based substitute. So, um, yeah, we're going to dive into a little bit about repeating cards in general, the way I see them, the way they've come up for me, for my clients. Uh, I'm going to answer three questions about three different cards that are repeating. So we can see how these, uh, the nature of repeating cards come up for folks and what they could mean based on these three different things and these three different scenarios. Um, so yeah, we're going to dive right into that. So for those of you who have absolutely no idea what a repeating card is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a card that you see over and over and over again. You might pull it in your daily pulls or your readings over and over and over again. You might be pulling it for clients every day for five days. Let's say you see, you see, um, tarot reading clients five days a week, Monday through Friday. Um, let's just say, and all five of those days you pull King of Pentacles every single day for at least one person. That's the nature, kind of the ephemeral medicine, the magic of repeating cards is like we shuffle, you know, we can tell ourselves like, maybe I'm just like not shuffling well enough, but, um, with all due respect to you, of course it's possible, but I highly doubt it. Um, it's probably not true that it's probably true that you're shuffling beautifully. Um, but that it just so happens that King of Pentacles is really present for you and for your clients, which makes sense because every reading we give for a client is a reading that we give for ourselves too. So if King of Pentacles comes up every single day in our readings for other people or ourselves, we can say that that is a repeating card. Repeating cards also count if they fly out of your deck. If every time you turn your deck upside down, the cards, they're like, hello. <laughs> um, if you just happen to see it again and again and again, if your eye is drawn to it, it still counts. So it's essentially the imagery of a card that is repeating itself to you. Um, and as I mentioned before, there's very kind of old school, unfortunate name regarding this. And I know some people mean, uh, I don't mean to call anyone out or forward on this, but the term stalker card has to go. That's, that's it. It's the end. Um, there's no need to be ferocious unless it's a huge trigger with anyone who's using it. This is a slow wake up. We can invite people in. We can just call folks forward if they're using it. Have you ever considered using the term repeating cards? You know, just just an invitation. We can begin there. But the term really has to go. First of all, some people really actually are victims of that. And it's super heinous and horrible. Um, and there's no need to kind of pull in to the spectrum of folks' mind that experience. Uh, And I'm sorry to talk about it here. We won't talk about it again by name. Um, But it is important because we want to be as trauma informed, as inclusive, and as uh, committed to not doing harm in our readings as possible. And the way we speak really does matter. So repeating cards is completely appropriate. It also takes away the connotation that you're getting like followed by a card because really when a card repeats it is a message from you back to you (laughs) um calling in your attention and your presence moment after moment after moment so it's a really beautiful thing and I want to really clear up 
the number one kind of underlying thing that some people feel comfortable asking and some people don't with repeating cards, is it anything to be frightened of or worried about? If a card repeats, am I not getting the message? Is it um, if a card that repeats is particularly, let's use the term that I like, spiky, if it's, you know, a little bit more... Um, if there's a little bit more uh, bitterness or spice, um, if we're talking about a repeating sword card that maybe looks a little bit more or less uh, unsavory than another card to you, if we're talking about the devil, the tower, those are very traditionally um, cards that we collectively are really undoing a lot of fear-based stuff around so it can feel like uh, why am I getting this card that disturbs me? I don't like it. Um, is it mean that I'm being like followed by this energy? Is this energy going to get me? Is Am I doing something wrong? Why do I keep getting this card again and again? And sometimes for some of us, it's not a spiky card. It's a card that maybe other people love and we do not. You know, maybe there's a particular card that really triggers the shit out of us or we have a feeling in our brains somewhere that if we're getting a certain card, it means we're a little off base. We can start developing those beliefs like a five or a seven. We can think like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? So I want to just really normalize that because a lot of people have those questions. A lot of us get invited into those feelings when cards repeat. It's not your fault. And you also don't have to believe it, that there's anything wrong, bad, a problem, anything. You're certainly allowed to have your feelings. It's just not a problem. All cards bring medicine. When a card honors you with its presence again and again and again, you are in a co-creative mastery with that card, learning something about it in a new way, in a new capacity. It's getting essentially massaged into your soul's knowing again and again and again. Um, there's a lot of beauty to repeating cards. So in answer to that, you know, kind of hypothetical question, is there anything wrong with it? Absolutely not. Tarot cards don't come up as repeating cards as warnings in the way that we think that they do. It can come up um, occasionally to really try to get our attention but if we, if our attention is available, we're saying, yes, devil card, I see you again. I, my eyes are open to my brain chemistry. Thank you again for the reminder. It's not that we're missing anything. It becomes, a repeating card becomes a living, breathing, walking, live, it, it becomes a meditation, one that lives in real time with you, where your guides can move through that card and essentially say, you're still in this, you're mastering this, you're being called to know another level of this, look a little closer. It doesn't mean you're missing it. And if you get a card that your brain is, you know, has a feeling or a belief and invites you into the idea, you know, oh, you know, I used five and sevens as an example, which says a lot about me <laughs> and my practice and my work, but yours might be totally different. Um, if you get a five, sometimes there can be a feeling like, at least for me, there can be that like, like little, for me now, it's so much lighter than it used to be, but that little whisper, like, oh no, you know, oh dear, like what, you know, there can be that moment. And if it's a seven, um, sometimes, um, you know, it can call us into something similar. So it really is about when a card repeats and it calls us into attention around a spot where our brain says, hey, there's something a little bit wrong here if you're getting this card. Mm, what exactly are you doing? Da, da, da. Sometimes a card will repeat like that just so spirit can work out can assist us in working out the kind of rotted core of that belief because there's nothing wrong with you period 
There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with any thought, with any belief. And so the idea that something could be wrong, sometimes a card will volunteer itself to call us into that. So little by little, we get to continue to practice, bring attention to where we hold these things. We can learn so much through repeating cards. So very quickly, what it can mean, and I don't want to say what it does mean when a card repeats, because who am I to say that I know all of the ways that cards are repeating. Um, but here's what it doesn't mean. You're in trouble. You did something wrong. You're getting followed in a negative or malevolent way by a card. It's a warning or a foreboding and or um, something along those lines, right? It's not, it's not a, um, and it's also not perhaps controversially, I don't believe that repeating cards mean you're not getting the message. So I want to talk about that. Um, why does a repeating card not mean that you're getting the message? Because guides and spirit do not work on time in the same way we do. They have nothing but time out there in the other world, wherever they are. Um, they have nothing but time. It's not about us, quote, not getting a message. That is brain. It's not soul. The brain will say, you should have done this. You're not getting it. The undercurrent of you're not getting the message is you'd better or else, or you better, or you're going to miss something. It's totally not why repeating cards come up. We get messages in the exact right time and flow that we get them. Sometimes it means that we have to learn them over 20 years. Sometimes it means that we get a card that repeats and repeats and repeats and we think, I don't know what you're saying to me. I am pulling you every day. I don't get it. This is where the magic happens because we can learn what a card means and what the repeating energy of a card might mean literally over years. If a card repeats to you for a week or two, I've had that happen where it's been literally every day I'll pull it. It'll fall out of the deck. It'll fly out when I touch it. I'll flip it upside down. It'll be the card in the back inexplicably. <laughs> It'll be the card in the front right after that. It's like a, literally like a clown car or something. And um, even me, I'll just think, well, I know what I know about this card and I, I'm always learning. I'm open. It must be pretty important if this is coming up again and again and again, I'll, I'll keep my eyes open. And sometimes that's it. And then there are times when I will go back to those moments and I will think, oh my God, I get it. So we're always learning spiralically. It doesn't mean that spirit is like, you're not hearing us because they don't talk that way. It just simply means that we're getting invited again, 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 in a beautiful way. Just opening the eyes here, opening the eyes there. We repeat in order to become masterful at something. We repeat in order to become more experienced. So we're just honing our skills. Here's what a card can mean when it repeats, if we want to consider it in a really expansive and medicinal way. One of the things that repeating cards can mean is that we're in a mastery with a card. And what that means is, you know, as extensive as it gets, right, that we're being invited to learn something new about a card. And the way that that can happen is if it shows up again and again and again to let us know that we're in a season of that card. So if we pull judgment, we're not in a season of judging, but we are going to be in a season of paying attention to how we receive information, how we pay attention to patterns and signals, maybe how generational things are happening through us right now, because um, judgment is hugely connected to generations. It's ruled by Pluto. Um, how we forgive, how we do judge how we hold beliefs in our body. Where do we hold them? How are we othering someone? Are we being othered? Um, are we getting a signal? Judgment can often mean, um, it's kind of like 
an awakening to something that seems so obvious in retrospect, but when we're in it, we just don't realize it. Um, it's, you know, a relief and a release of some kind, a review, an opportunity to see something. So if we don't have as fine-tuned an understanding of judgment, we may not initially understand why it's repeating, but it's providing us all the opportunities that I just mentioned to look at, you know, how aspects of this card might be um, moving through our lives, but really it can just simply mean that we're getting invited to get to know it, that we're getting um, put on all of these play dates <laughs> with this card in order to get to know it a little better. So there can be a mastery. We can be in a season of something in our lives. We can move through an emperor season, an emperor season where we're really called into the core meaning of a card to get it massaged into our muscles a little bit. It's kind of like a really beautiful, you know, infused oil balm that we massage into sore muscles and it kind of absorbs in and, you know, we relax a little bit. That's sort of what happens. Um, and of course, repeating cards are flat out messages. Hi, pay attention to this. Hello again, pay attention to this. Not because anything is intense or emergent. It can just simply mean hey, pay attention to this. You are really in this experience right now. Pay attention to this. I've been pulling Ace of Wands like all day, every day recently. Um, and uh, it's been cool because I'm kind of in that energy right now, but also like not. And every time it repeats, it reminds me like, oh yeah, you know, in the Aces, we have to remember that it's a co-creative effort and every day I get to decide, choose to reach up and take that wand. Am I reaching out and taking that wand? Am I making the time, making the space to really have my creative impulses, my workflow, my, you know, what I'm moving through in terms of my fire center? Does it really have room right now to flourish? And that can sometimes just be like a two second thing. And then there are other times when a card will repeat and repeat and repeat, and it's cluing us into something. It's saying, you know, hey, this is um, coming up in the next cycle of your life. This is calling forward. You know, the more acquainted you are with this card now, the more something may be coming forward for you in the next cycle. Now, what this does not mean is if you pull the death card four million times, it's not a signal that someone you love is about to die, certainly as a rule, um, but death can prepare us for a process of transition and transformation that can take shape and form in any way, in any way in the earthly plane. But the more we are choosing to be available to the medicine of death, not as a harbinger of, um, not as a symbol rather of any, you know, foreboding, but as just simply saying, yes, I am available to be, um, I am available to the medicine of change, transition to wildness, to release you know, I'm available to the medicine of death, to shedding skins when I reach a certain point, you know, where I'm too big for this skin. It has to go. I'm going to open my eyes to see, are these themes coming up for me in TV, in the books I'm watching or reading, in um, the conversations I'm having, you know? So repeating cards are a way to essentially, they're a mindfulness bell that draws our attention back home to something again and again and again and again. And it's one of the most magical ways that guides work through and talk to us. One of the most magical ways our higher selves communicate with us is the medicine of repeating cards. You can be sure when a card repeats extensively for you, it's no accident. You are being called into something, invited basically into a gathering and into, um, a co-creative meeting with this card and we get to be really available to how that wants to manifest, illuminate, um, roll forward essentially for us. And anytime a card repeats, um, we get to also practice 
clearing out our fears about repeating cards and what we might be doing wrong to receive them. My teacher, Michelle, once told me something that um, has really helped me and stayed with me. Um, I get chronic pain often. And uh, earlier this year and last year, it was a very intense time for chronic pain. It was just in pain literally all the time. Um, one, my neck would uh, stop being inflamed and then my pelvis would be inflamed and then something else. And I remember um, on my birthday this uh, year, I had an amazing time, but also had an incredibly inflamed, extremely painful, um, a lot of pelvic pain, like my whole time that I was away from my birthday. And had a session with my teacher, Michelle, and started to kind of tell her, you know, well, here's why I think this is coming up. And, you know, here's what I, you know, I'm really trying to be present for this pain and to move through it in the best way I can. And the last time it came up, da, da, da. Um, but there was a little hint in me that was blaming myself a little bit for why the pain was here. Like I was talking about how I had like too much coffee, you know, whatever. And of course she, with love, you know, slapped my hand with love, <laughs> not really, but, you know, reminded me, you know, you, we don't do anything wrong with pain. We don't get pain. The brain is not allowed, you know, to go in there and say, Hey, let me backtrack and think about all the shit that I did that got me here to the point where I had pelvic pain sometimes. And she invited me to consider that sometimes pain can arise just to clear out the thought that we've done something wrong in being in it. And that has been really powerful for me because surely enough, every fucking time I have pain, the first place I go is to what I did, even if it's disguised as constructive, right? And I'm calling myself out here. It's certainly not to say in any way that anybody who has chronic pain, that that's that any part of your process is not okay or not permissible, not allowable, not at all. But as people who have chronic pain, there is a lot of over-cultural narrative, like, what do you think you did to get here? What do you think you, like, all, it's like the shadow side of manifestation as if people who, um, you know, as if children who have cancer manifested that. It's like, if it doesn't, like, nobody manifests their pain in the way that we think happens in that way. So, Repeating cards to a much lesser degree hold that same kind of potential of being here to help us clear out the idea that by them being there, something's wrong. <laughs> and that's another way that we can grow our practice by continuing to clear out the old paradigms of fear-based interpretations and fear-based ideas of why cards repeat. Certainly not everybody speaks of repeating cards as if they are problematic, but it is out there. And the questions that I've received over my years as a teacher have really shown me that all of us, I think, share this teeny brain whisper in the back of our head going, am I like missing it? Why is this card here again? And it's not true. It's, it's sometimes that the message, um, you know, the, nourishing herbal infusions or herbal infusions um, are part of the folk. It's a folk recipe that belongs to no herbalist. And many herbalists hold the theory that if you are going to do an herbal infusion to stick with one rather than mixing so that you do not have you don't get confused about the idea that you could, um, have a reaction to one. You wouldn't know what it is. Um, but some herbalists say that it's one of the best ways to develop a true relationship with 
an herbal ally with an herb or with um, a flower is to take of it again and again and again. And this is totally true with flower essences as well. If we have a relationship with a flower essence, we take it every day. So when a card repeats, it's this beautiful, we can think of it literally like seeing violets again and again and again on a roadside taking a walk and seeing a little patch of violets and then going a little further and seeing another little patch, you wouldn't think, oh no, what's wrong that I'm seeing violets. And even though you would not equate a lovely little patch of flowers to the devil card, it's essentially bringing the same medicine. There's something in an infusion that you're being called to imbibe in. The more we take of the medicine, even if when a card repeats, you're literally just saying, thank you so much. I see you. And I'm awake to your invitation. If that's it, you've done great. Because the more we're in this experience of repeating cards, the more we can evolve and deepen our understandings, meanings, and relationships with not only these cards, but with the deck in general. So I hope that that provided a little bit of kind of DIY <laughs> um, 101 um, support I'm repeating cards and, uh, yeah. So I'm going to hop to these three questions that will hopefully allow us to see a little bit more fully and deeply the ways that repeating cards can come up, what three of these cards might mean when we explore them. So we'll start with Alan Maya's card. So Alan says, you are such a comforting presence in the sometimes overwhelming world of tarot, and I'm grateful for your guidance. Thank you so much for your kind words. I wanted to ask you about a specific card, the Three of Wands. This card keeps coming up for me over and over again, and I'm searching for a deeper meaning in the card itself, as well as the fact that I've pulled it many times over the last few months. Sometimes as I'm about to pull a card, I unintentionally think about the Three of Wands and then poof, it appears. I would appreciate any insight you may have. So wonderful example. So with Alan, this card has been coming up for them over the last few months. And I loved this example because we talk about repeating cards as though they come up, you know, every once in a while, we get them for a week and then they kind of go away. Few months. This is an example of, I believe, deep bone level mastery. Alan, you are absolutely in a deep teaching relationship with this card. So what I believe it may be offering you, I don't know. But if Three of Wands is such a strong part of the thread of the tapestry of your life that's been kind of weaving itself into creation over the last few months, this is truly an example of a season that we can experience with a card. So think about how you would live life in a season, experiencing any of the seasons that we do, winter, spring, summer, fall. What's different about them for you? How do they feel? What kind of behaviors or patterns or activities are you called to versus other ones? So I encourage you, first of all, Alan, to think about What's been different for me in the last three months, last few months, that might be different than other times? If you can't think of anything, how has your thinking been? What have the opportunities been? What have you been called into thinking about a little bit more? I would go further and ask you, what things do you feel kind of ready to step away from? What other things are you ready to step to? So the more, when we pull a card that repeats over months, that is an example of a time that we want to kind of curiously and objectively backtrack and say, okay, I've been pulling this card for literally weeks, for months. What's been coming up for me? Can I identify anything, illuminate anything? Is there anything that's coming up? 
that I can pull through the tapestry so that I can really see the color of the way Three of Wands has been shining forward. That's like a tiny little practice we can do when a card comes up over months. Um, but Alan, for what this is worth, Three of Wands is a card that is both really easy to understand and also very, very complex to understand. <laughs> um, it's very easy to understand because it essentially means that we've gone to the end of a particular journey and we are kind of reflecting, considering, getting ready to both bow away from what we've experienced and walk forward into what we are ready to explore next. So it's this beautiful experience of being both student and master at the same time, or at least longing to be. Um, usually we're not quite in the creation stages of it, but three of wands can come up when we've taken piano lessons our whole lives. We're quite good at it. We're very proficient and we are itching to remember a time when we were really challenged to play an instrument and we keep thinking about the banjo. It doesn't mean that we want to give up the piano, but it does mean that we want to initiate and work with the part of our brain that likes to learn complicated or challenging new things and that wants actively wants to be a beginner wants to be the student in someone else's class rather than the teacher in their own. So three of wands is this sense of a kind of a three-legged stool, right? It's an example we can use of all the threes is this sense of really beautiful balance that happens where the threes seem less even and yet come to this beautiful synthesis. So Ellen, I would say start thinking for yourself what have I walked to the end of the road around? You know, what have I, what, what area of my life do I feel maybe even a little bored with? Am I craving stimulation? It doesn't mean that I necessarily or that you necessarily want to leave your job, your hobby, your whatever, but it does usually mean we're hungry for something and we've got to feed both. And um, if we really look at the image in the three of wands, and of course there are bazillion cards and three of wands are is literally different from deck to deck. But if we look at the Smith Rider weight, we see somebody who is looking out at this vista. They've, they've explored the world. They've seen all manner of things. And the two of wands, they were just looking at a globe like babies. They had never been anywhere. In fact, they were unsure of where they wanted to go, unsure of the next cycle of their lives. And then all of a sudden in the three, they've traveled everywhere. And now they're looking at themselves in awe and wonder and thinking, wow, what next? And not in a way that's, um, you know, hungry or grabby, but in a reverent way. You know, anytime three of wands comes up, it's an opportunity to review what have we done? We've seen, what have we, what have, what have we like checked off the list? You know, what have we, um, had enough of and what are we hungry for? How can we make room for what we're hungry for? I'm going to tell you this as a teacher, when I have an opportunity to be in company or to be in a situation where I am being taught something I know nothing about and the teacher is good and it's aligned and oh my god there is no greater feeling than literally just sinking into the studentness of it and I feel very connected to my inner student because I am literally learning different things about tarot all the time I really pride myself on coming to my deck with a really open mind, checking in with my guides every single time I read. I feel like I get something new. I learn from my students. There's a million different ways to go about that. And there are times where I will sink into something and get the pleasure, the blessing of being at the feet of someone who is just so knowledgeable. And those are great moments. So that's um, an example that you can bring forward with three of wands. So I encourage you to think about maybe you've never even considered it before. You know, what have you really 
What paths have you really walked? Is there a part of your soul, even though you're very traveled in this area, that's really hungry for another path? Doesn't necessarily want to permanently leave this path, but there's something else calling our attention. Start to think about that. It's been important enough to come up for you for months. So start thinking about what's been calling your attention in life. Maybe if you think and you're like, I literally have no idea. Now that you have a new way of thinking about three of wands, you can begin, if you truly have no clue what's happening in your life or, you know, whatever, that's totally fine. Remember, all we need to do with a repeating card is simply say, I am totally available for your medicine. Just show me, just show me. So that's one example. And hopefully that helps you. Alexa asks, I've been only working with the tarot for about a year and I've been journaling all of my questions, daily and monthly cards and magic moments to the best of my ability. As of the past couple of months, I've been getting the hanged man reversed nearly daily, some days repeatedly, and will even have it fly out randomly from time to time. I've been trying to do as much of my own research as to what is being communicated here. I'm ending my Saturn return this month, and I've spent a large portion of my past dealing with anxiety, depression, and various traumas. I try my best to see the bright side of each card, but with the hangman in particular, I read so much negativity, although that doesn't feel like the energy I'm receiving when I pull the card reversed. I would deeply appreciate your take on this as I'm struggling to see the forest for the trees and I value your words and thoughts. Alexa, I would be happy to help you. So Alexa's example is one that is really important to acknowledge. I mean, everyone's questions are important to acknowledge and honor, but we really want to honor Alexa's because what Alexa is, um, not to put, not to, um, paraphrase your words, Alexa, but there's some expression on their part of feeling not great about what they're reading about this card. Um, it's calling forward, um, some things that it's just hard again, to see the forest for the trees. And the more we read, the more confused we can get. So when a card arises for us that coincides with something as huge as an ending of a Saturn return. Happy end to your Saturn return, by the way. Um, Hangman can come up, or a card rather, can come up as um, repeatedly as Hangman reversed has been coming up for Alexa. I believe that when cards come up like this, um, it is really an initiation because hangman is the preparation for death. Hangman is number 12. It is the order, the linear, the structure. It is the transition point from who we were to who we're about to become. Hangman is ruled by Neptune, so it does have a dreamy, unfocused quality to it. Um, but of course, if we're going to go like way deeper than that, which I'm all about, Neptune is the ruling planet of Pisces. Pisces is the end of the zodiacal wheel. So when we consider the medicine of hangman, it actually is the true death card. It actually is the hanging upside down of everything, it literally getting life flipped in wonderful ways and in also wildly frustrating ways. Um, being called to see something from every angle, from every possible scenario in order to fully, fully complete whatever cycle we've been moving in, to end the cycle. Once we take our dive into death, we are moving from 12, the realm of the ordered, the realm of the wheel of the zodiac, to the realm of 13, which is the spiral, it's wildness, it is moving out of that sense of linear to one of spiral. So hangman is an experience where we are called to really surrender, which Alexa, I'm sure you know, by the way, but called to really um, not just surrender, but usually we're called into deep cyclical review, repetition to end something that will never come up again. Once we end something in hangman, it's done. Death is actually the next step. 
we leave behind the old former selves that we used to be in Hangman. So Hangman reversed, my goodness, so many, many, many things. Um, so many things that Hangman Reverse can be. Some people say Hangman Reverse is like um, a false enlightenment. There are actually people who really believe that. <laughs> like, um, we think we're God or something like that. I don't agree, but I, you know, think uh, it's an interesting, you know, um, interpretation. Some people, I myself have said this, that sometimes when Hangman comes up reversed, and we are invited into that, it can be that we're having a hard time in hangman. We kind of want whatever cycle we're working in to be finished. Now, find me someone who doesn't have a hard time in hangman. That's the first thing. That's everything in the nervous system is designed to resist everything the hangman is. So we have to really acknowledge that. <laughs> um, and also the resistance is not an indicator that we're doing anything wrong. Again, that idea of like, I should be better. I shouldn't, you know, da, da, da. Um, again, the presence of a repeating card is not an indication that we're doing anything that's a problem. So hangman reverse can be that we're really ready, longing, wanting to clear out a cycle that we're just, the heart desires that, that we're just ready to not be upside down. We're ready to have more clarity. We're ready to have different energy come in. Um, but for you, Alexa, I feel like there's something else coming here. And I think, um, my hunchiest of hunches here is that you are getting your own unique interpretation dropped into you through this card repeating to you as much as you are. How I know that is because you keep looking for answers and you're not getting it. And um, usually that means that we're getting handed the answer. So it certainly doesn't mean like just keep listening. Like I'm happy to provide what I can, but you may also not feel aligned with what I have to say either. Um, Hangman reverse can also mean a liberation. That's one of the best, most beautiful ways of seeing hangman reverse. It can mean we are complete with something, not necessarily that we'll, we'll never feel anxiety again or we'll never feel trauma again. Obviously, it's not true for any of us as long as we're alive, but that we have done, learned, explored, and experienced what we were meant to, and now we are moving from hangman to death. And now there can be a transition experience. So that can also, the hangman reverse can also be bringing you really good tidings here, letting you know, hey, just a little bit longer. And you're going to have this sort of liberation just a little bit longer here. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, and finally, we have Ida's question. I have a returning card that's been showing up consistently for, ready? Six months for six months now, the world. I know you've said that we are sometimes in a master class with a card when they keep showing up, but I find the world both too easy and too hard to interpret. I know that it's the ending of the fool's journey and the final closure of an epoch, but how to embrace and embody it? Is there more to this card than just quote the end? Hell yes. And Ida, Godspeed <laughs> to be getting the world card for six months. Woo. Um, I have a theory as to why you've been getting six, uh, um, the world card for this long. And I have a feeling that it has to do with Saturn being retrograde. I could be dead ass wrong, but I would say, look up where it was in your chart, have an astrologer look that up, obviously pay them, but, um, you know, have a session with an astrologer and, and ask them, you know, I'd really like to know exactly what Saturn's been doing, um, exactly what my natal Saturn is all about in this lifetime. Um, my favorite astrologers are Jeff Henshaw, uh, of course, and Anais from Mystical Mandrake Root, the best of the best, in my opinion. Of course, I also love Heidi Rose Robbins. Like, there's been many, many Jessica Lignato. Wherever you can get it, whoever resonates with you, it's great. Um, but I have a feeling that there's something in that too, because the world is ruled by Saturn, the world card. So 
Ida asks an amazing question here. What happens when you pull a repeating card that feels both too easy and too hard to interpret? The world card is a perfect example of that. I think there are other ones in the tarot too that um, feel a little bit like too easy, too hard, but the world is a great example. And that's part of why I chose it for this. Um, so the world card, I always come back to, um, this card whenever I have a sense of, um, and some of my words are probably going to feel a little similar to what I spoke about with hangman, but they're really on another level. You know, as you said, Ida, you know, the world card is the end of the fool's journey, the final closure of this span of time. But what we also have to keep in mind is that Saturn is the most loving taskmaster we could ever imagine. Saturn is the planet that keeps us honest about our soul's promises. Whatever our soul came here to do, to master, to be, to express, to experience, whatever lessons, um, you know, whatever we had to move through, whatever, um, experiences we had to wade through, whatever cycles we were called to break, whatever, you know, on and on we go, whatever lineages, old lifetime, old promises, old stuff like that. Saturn is responsible and is the keeper of those keys. And whenever we kind of want to float out to the right or the left, Saturn really goes, Hey, come back come right back here and deal with this. And the more you think you're done with it, the more I'm going to bring you back in. So the world can come up over several months as a repeating card because it takes a long time to be fully complete with Saturn cycles. The world card simply means not just that it's the end of an era, but that we literally never have to go back and do what we're doing again ever. Every time that I've gotten the world card and it has been few and far between, it means fucking business. I do not get the world card in a superfluous way. It does not come to me in a way that is kind of casual or, you know, and it's been repeating for me recently and it's all been happening just around Saturn going direct. It, it means fucking business when it comes. It's letting you know, pay attention to the lessons you are learning, to the relationship issues that are going on. What are you repeating? Is there someone in your life who's exactly like a parent, someone in your life who's exactly like, you know, the last uh, partner you had that there was this, you know, X, Y, Z, and are you telling yourself it's different? Um, you know, is there a habit that you keep saying, you know, blah, 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 this, that, and the other, and it doesn't really serve you, you know? Are you finally completing a certain task in your life, a certain, you know, job in your life? Um, there are a million ways, but the world card really is that we've learned absolutely everything that we're meant to learn about whatever we're releasing and we never have to go through it again. The thing with the world card is though, that because it's ruled by Saturn, no stone is going to be left unturned. So the more Saturn and the more the world card rather repeats, the more we can call into our minds, okay, one more layer of shrapnel to remove here. One more little splinter here. Not like we still have more stuff to process. Oh, I'm not doing my work. Not like that. But anytime the world card comes up, it's an opportunity as a repeater to be able to say, okay, great. Thank you so much world card for this magnificent reminder of the potency and the importance of Saturn cycles, all that they bring forward, how much they blow and how important they are for our evolution. I am completely open and available to learning and clearing even the last drops of this please may my eyes be open to my interactions, my behaviors, my patterns, my brain chemistry around all this. So um, it's really awesome, Ida. It's basically letting you know this cycle is so big that you've been moving through it for almost half a year. I mean, 
That's huge. And I encourage you when you have repeating cards, sometimes it can be really helpful to ask other questions, pardon me, to ask other questions of your repeating card. Sometimes it can be nice to say, you know, what's being cleared out or what am I being invited to pay attention to here? Um, whatever it is that can support you. But I would say that's really great. Um, I think the key in helping to kind of slice through that too easy, too hard thing is by remembering that it's still co-creative and we still are called to keep our eyes open to what we're being invited to clear away that we just simply don't ever have to go back to again, ever. So I hope that this was helpful. Again, this was a little primer. This is longer than my typical Q&A episodes, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper on this topic. Thank you for listening. Um, just as a reminder to everybody, um, Today, literally today, Friday, September the 20th, is the very, very, very last day to sign up for Tarot for what is on a special discount rate. So if you feel called to this material, if um, you've been thinking about it and you know, you'd like to get it at a slightly more discounted rate, today is the last day. You can sign up or learn more at tarotforwhatis.com. God, what else? I think that's it. <laughs> Happy equinox. I'm going to have a blog post all about the equinox on Monday. Monday is um, equinox and Libra season and what it means to leave the chariot, which I believe is a big part of the fall equinox. So if you'd like to learn a little bit about that and um, get a little spread um, to support you through your equinox journey, you can check out my blog, which is just on my website. It'll be announced, uh, that blog post on my Instagram, which is at Wild Soul Healing. So you can check it out then. <laughs> um, the blog on my website is under the um, menu as journal. So I have quite a few posts building in there and it's great. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I love all of you. Thank you for your presence and your practice. And uh, I will catch you for monthly medicine next week. Until that time, please take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger. And it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.